Yes, welcome back to Careless Whispod, the podcast where there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep us from getting this podcast to your ears. That's right. I am Jeremy. I'm Gary. And look, I'm, I'm mystified as to what <laughs> song we can be covering today. <laughs> uh, the Motown Classic. Yes. Uh, ain't no mountain high enough. Oh, ain't no mountain high enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Makes, yeah, okay, okay, I got it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really try with that intro today, <laughs> but it was just too, it's too good. It was too good to, to pass up. And this song is a bit too good as well. Um, and just listening to this as uh, we were warming up, man, just love visiting this old soul stuff, mm. man. It is just so, there, there is an energy about these songs that yeah. is just undeniable and it's just something that gets gets your blood pumping, I think, you know? We, we were just saying we've got to do a, a series that just covers soul stuff, so <laughs> keep an eye out in the in the future and you might hear us talking about, uh, you know, a bit more Marvin Gaye and Al Green and Curtis Mayfield and all that. you want us to woefully butcher a much beloved <laughs> the history of a much beloved genre stay tuned so that's sam cook eh <laughs> uh how are you gary good yeah since, um, uh, last episode you know not much has changed since the last episode but uh very similar yeah 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 but you know i'm feeling good i'm feeling pumped to talk about ain't no uh, mountain high enough ain't no thing of me thing of me it's by uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Well, there's a couple of different versions uh, mm. floating around. So, look, maybe we... Interestingly enough, we should acknowledge that there is a version by Diana Ross and the Supremes. Who we just talked about who in the last episode. Who we just spoke about. And then Diana Ross took it to number one in the 70s. With a, with a, look, let's hold that for um, Chart Me Up, I reckon. Okay, right. Um, but we're talking about uh, sort of the original in, in inverted commas uh, well, do you, with Marvin Gaye. And what's what's your favourite version of it? 100% this version. Yeah. <laughs> 100% this version. Uh, the Supremes version is great too, but it is very similar to this version. It was the Supremes version. and the Temptations, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's very similar to this one. Um, but Marvin Gaye's voice just kind yeah. of brings it over. Well, again, I, I think we spoke about it a little bit uh, with, with Endless Love. Again, you just... Those two voices that just mm. complement each other so well, and are at the top of their game, you know. Um, when did this when did this come out? Was this the sixties? It was released in nineteen sixty seven. Sixty seven, April twentieth. Uh, uh, yes, April twentieth. So in the American date format, uh, four twenty. It's four twenty. Also Hitler's birthday. He would have been uh, would have been seventy eight in that year, if if he was still alive. In wow, what if what. I did the math. <laughs> Fuck is the matter with you, dude? <laughs> it's a pop podcast. <laughs> We're just talking about how we'll do a soul episode about like lo- like lo- all these endless love, all these songs about love. You could bring up Hitler's birthday. Yeah, it's a pop podcast. Pop stands for popular. Show me someone that's never heard of Hitler. Really? <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm just kidding, Jeremy. Jeremy, can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> yeah, we gotta go solo. Yeah, we gotta go solo, man. <laughs> this ain't gonna fly anymore. But yeah, it was released on 420, 1967. And you can certainly hear the I'm trying to relate this song to weed somehow, but it's you can't mm. because this is a very energetic song. It is. Uh, it's the sativa. It's not the indica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Oh dear. I like the 
it just comes in with the xylophone. Is it a xylophone? Or the, 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 what I think you may be right, yeah. I don't know, but uh, just as soon as you hear those little chimey notes come in, man, there's no you're in for a good time. There's something about, and I'm going to show my ignorance here, I don't actually know who played on this. I'm going to have a look right now. Well, why... Ah, okay, I see, right. So, the Funk Brothers were the backing band for this song. Um, and I'm pretty sure we've spoken about the Funk Brothers yeah. very, very early. That sounds familiar. the sax player... So excited, maybe? Uh, yes, I think the sax player um, played on So Excited. But we were talking before, like, so much of these classic soul songs were recorded by uh, often the same group of musicians, mm. depending on what, what part of America and, and, and what studio they were in. But um, the Funk Brothers played on other Motown hits, My Girl, Heard It Through the Grapevine, um, Baby Love, Sign Seal Delivered, I'm Yours, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Tears of a Clown, Heat Wave, you know. That could be a series in itself. In, into an, uh, uh, into <laughs> itself. Um, so tracks that the Funk Brothers played on is like a whole series. Is a whole series, <laughs> you know. Um, so the sound of there's something at the sound of these Motown recordings that is just so warm and just crackling. They're just mm. red hot. You can hear it coming out the speakers, and I think that's got a lot to do with those musicians. They played with each other all day every day they understood each other musically you know what i mean i think that energy shines through you know? uh, motown were really smart too they'd like kind of take on musicians and writers that uh were really good and kind of made them part of like a of, of the motown family you know? yeah so they, they, they were interchangeable they could play on different things and kind of bring a little something to different tracks and that's why there's so many good uh, Motown recordings out there. Well, that's right. And they, I, as you said, like they sort of all supported each other, you know what mm. I mean, um, to sort of create this family. And look, we, we could sort of, before this episode started, we kind of went, ah, oh, like sort of bitten off a little bit more than we can chew here because there is just such a rich history surrounding Motown and soul music. Yeah, that yeah. Have we, we... Can, we can only literally scrape, scrape the surface the surface so w do forgive us that we're not gonna um dig too deep into that history we'll do we'll, we'll save do, that we'll uh, do a soul series we'll save that for another yeah, time we'll get into um, it. i mean look when we're trying to get through such a rich and you know history mm. it's hard to ratchet those dick jokes in so. <laughs> and that's and we know you're here that's what you're really here for you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to disappoint, uh, just like Jeremy often does. But um, <laughs> speaking, I'm not, not going to refuse that. <laughs> <laughs> no one would. Um, uh, keeping on with Motown, uh, we couldn't talk about Marvin Gaye or Tammy Tyrrell, or uh, we'll, we'll get there. But this is in keeping with this song. This is uh, this song was written by a husband and wife team. Yeah, uh, Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson, and uh, they wrote this song specifically to get the attention of Motown and try to become part of the Motown, uh, you know, group. Of well, writers. we were just speaking before that um, 
Dusty Springfield wanted wanted this song. Yeah, except she had no kind of relation to Motown, and they're like, uh, we're kind of saving it for them. Yeah, um, and look, it sort of worked for them, I suppose, because this, yeah, this was a song that... they uh, got Marvin Gaye and, and Timmy Terrell. That's um, pretty great. But we were talking, again, Dusty Springfield, um, Dusty in Memphis, was listening to that the other day, and uh, hopefully she will uh, make an appearance on the podcast uh, at some point. The, 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 this writing team, like they went on to write for Gladys Knight and the Pips, Smokey Robertson, the Marvelettes, Diana Ross, the Supremes with the Four Tops, Teddy Pendergrass, Chucka Cowan, and more. And not just write, but produce as well. And they released a whole bunch of their own albums. But this is this is the song that kind of launched them. Their, their career. Yeah. And I mean, we've, I think we've spoken about this on the podcast before, how many um, just sort of... Behind the scenes songwriters, you know what I mean? Mm. That you have no idea have written all these hits, you know? Um, and they definitely <laughs> fall into that category. <laughs> That's so interesting. And again, I, I keep mentioning this, I mentioned this last time. Think about all the songs they wrote, even this song alone. Again, that song still gets played every day. Mm. Like, and again, you think about pop music now, in terms of what we were just speaking about, uh, in terms of that sort of that family of Motown, mm. I mean, I think, you know, I'd, I'd hazard to say that pop music now is far more um, indiv- individualistic, you know, far yeah. more um, every man or woman, every person, every person for themselves, you know what I mean? So it's really good to see that. But also, man, like, the, pop music now, we've spoken about before, is mm. so... Look, it, it, it's almost a cliche to say that pop music is disposable, but man, that song ain't ain't no mountain high. That's still getting played on radio today. That's insane. It came out in nineteen sixty seven. Like, I, I hear so so many things nowadays in the pop world, and it's like, can can I see this being played again in twenty years, thirty years? But I mean, look, the whole thing with the the noughties sort of has come back already. Do you know what I mean? The 90s mm. is, uh, shtick is now a thing again. And I listen to that and kind of go, wow, that sounds dated already. Yeah. You know, but I listen to this soul stuff and it's just it's timeless. timeless. It's endless love, you know? What do you think happened to that spark, you know? that that Man. Was it just the, this combination of people and we just haven't found that again recently I mean most of the pop music that you hear on the radio now is written by the same like three or four you know old white dudes exactly yeah I mean I'd love to hear people write in tell us what you guys think I when you mentioned before that that Motown was sort of a family Mm. and you sort of had um, and look there will be pop historians out there that know a hell of a lot more about this than we do. But yelling at their device. But it, yeah, well, to be honest, they wouldn't be listening they to us. Listen to this. <laughs> um, they probably listen to good podcasts. Um, <laughs> like, you know, uh, American Dick Joke Weekly. Sure. Um, um, Dick's Dick's Dick's. Uh, Dick's uh, a Dick Cast uh, Dick, by, by Dick Cheney. Uh, Dick Confidential. <laughs> Um, all of the, you know, the really popular Dick Joe uh, podcast. You, you don't know Dick. You don't yep. know Dick. <laughs> Fun with Dick and Jane. Yep. Uh, all, all of those. All of them. Um, but I think you you had a sort of team all pulling in the right direction. If everyone was successful, everyone would benefit. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think 
the pop music world now is is very different. Well, <laughs> to be honest, Gary, there was money <laughs> back then. That's uh, true. You in know, music, now in it's music, all you pirated know, streaming. Yeah. Now I think labels are, are sort of they want to make a quick buck. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of not about sustaining anything. It's about making the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time, which I guess it probably always was. But that's true. I think it's got a lot to. I think it's got a lot to do with. Um, again, you had a group of you had artists in the true sense of the word. You had artisans. You talk about these musicians that played together day in day out and created a chemistry. You know? I, I, th- I think you hit on something there. Uh, they, they were all individually known in their own right, but. Everyone knew what Motown Records was. Mm, mm. So it was that grouping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you had that Motown kind of stamp on the record, people would just buy it. People knew it was good. Like it meant. We don't have that. It meant quality, you know? Um, They're like, oh, this one, today is like, oh, this song was written by Max Martin. Let's play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same thing. It's it, man. It's it's a really good question, and probably the subject of an entire podcast unto itself. No, we're getting to the bottom of this episode. <laughs> isn't gonna end until we've figured it out. Monster, <laughs> a bumper issue. <laughs> look, uh, l- let's talk about the singers. Uh, yeah, we, we're getting off track here. Look, I've been thinking and thinking. I can't think of any nickname for Marvin Gaye. Uh, his name, particularly his last name, doesn't really. Mm. I can't think of anything. He he was a Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian, that's good. Um, I don't know. He was such a TT. Chemiterial TT. TT. Double T. Double T. Double T's. Ms. T. Ms. T. Yeah. Chemiterial TT. TT. Tea time. Tea time. Tea time. Tea time. Marvin Gay. Gay. I don't know. Marvin the Martian. I'm sticking with Marvin the Martian. Okay, let's let's stick. With, if something better comes along, we'll, we'll, we'll jump on it. Marvin the Martian and Tea Time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, their their '70s prog album was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the, what can you say about Marvin Gaye? Really? I mean, you you know who Marvin Gaye is, right? Um, you all know he was a, he was a soul singer from Motown and um, shit what are, what are some of his songs a rich and storied career but uh, like like songs like Let's Get It On Let's Get It On Hurt st- Through the Gate Hurt <laughs> Through the Gate <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I'm sorry the gape right did you say the gape <laughs> Oh my god. Listeners, do not no, Google that. I'm gonna edit that. <laughs> that's, that's, no. a, that's an Easter egg. <laughs> I heard it through the grapevine. Um, uh, shit. Sexual healing. What's going on? What's going on? I fucking love that song. Sexual healing. When I get that feeling. I mean, what a dude. That was late in his career, actually. But I, I gotta admit that Tammy Terrell, I didn't really know heaps about her until we started uh, researching this episode. I'm the same, my man. Uh, she started off in the James Brown Review, recorded with some other artists, including Stevie Wonder, and then um, joined the Motown Review. Mm. And I think uh, this was the first time Marvin Gaye and Tammy kind of worked together, and they kind of became... Got it on, <laughs> if you will. They, they were... 
from all accounts, everyone that was around them said they were like brother and sister. They were like completely inseparable. Wow. After, after they recorded this song, they're super close friends. And then um, by early 1970, Temi Terrell. Yeah. Uh, she was confined to a wheelchair. It was really sad. Blindness, hair loss. Uh, she lost a heap of weight uh, because of uh, brain cancer. Apparently, she went into a coma and and died on March 16th in 1970 from brain cancer. A month shy of her 25th birthday. So sad. So young. Yeah. Um, and Marvin Gaye delivered the eulogy while well, "You Were All I Need to Get By" was playing. Which I think is amazing, and it was it was pretty amazing too that um, Terrell's mum uh, said uh, no one from Motown Records was allowed in at the funeral at the funeral except for Marvin, Marvin Gaye. Gaye. Yeah, I wonder why that. So was. that's kind of like a testament to how close they really were. Like even even Terrell's mum kind of knew that he was the only one that was really like a close friend with her. And look. Again, um, Marvin Gaye, the, the subject of a podcast, oh, yeah. under his own, but he uh, lived quite a, a troubled existence as well. And um, a lot of biographers, or his biographers, sort of stated that he never really got over her death. And yeah, it, it did lead to um, depression, some depression, drug abuse, drug abuse, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's start making cracking some jokes now, huh? Yeah. After, after all where, that, where where them dick jokes at? <laughs> um, actually, I didn't know this. Uh, Gay's Marvin Gaye's classic album, "What's Going On," which is mm. just just listening to this song and, and talking about this, I want want to go home and listen to that record. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, a, a classic was in part a reaction to Tyrell's death, which yeah. I didn't know. What I do know. And perhaps this is sort of a little bit of a segue. Sure. Talking about uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, Mm. um, I read an article about the recording of that. Marvin Gaye, this is fact, I'm not making this up. Okay. Before he would record his vocal takes, he would um, masturbate a lot. He masturbated a lot during the recording of What's Going On because... He didn't want... Well, this was like a roadie or, or like a studio guy that was talking about this. He's like, yeah, he's like, no, I've got to go bat off before I do these vocals. <laughs> and he was like, he said, so he didn't want any sexuality in the lyrics. You know what I mean? But the guy, the studio tech goes, well, I don't know, maybe just really like batting off. Well... <laughs> and I mean, who doesn't, right? He must have been really good at it. Uh, yeah. But without even knowing... We were using Marvin Gaye's techniques for, for <laughs> recording this podcast. That's <laughs> yeah. But yet, sexual tension between us two still rife. Still uh, rife, throughout yeah. Throughout each recording. Wow. Well, I don't you know, know what it is. We're young. Um, and we're full not at all of, young. No, yeah. No, we're old men. But we don't need to talk about that. We're talking about Ain't No Mountain Niner. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the other versions, yeah? Yeah. We mentioned them earlier. Uh, we did. So... Diana Ross and the Supremes with The Temptations. The Dupuins! Which was kind of in keeping with the original, but then the Diana Ross solo version was like a slower version. And um, they kind of made some changes to it. There was like a spoken interlude at the beginning, and now the guy that was running Motown was like, yeah, it's never going to sell. So they last minute edited down the, the version to about three minutes long. So it could be played on the radio and um, 
So they released it and uh, it became super successful, way more successful than the original version. Yeah. So that, that's a good uh, segue into Chart Me Up, actually. Because, um, you know, if you Chart Me Up, you will never stop. I'm, I'll probably stop. I will probably stop. Eventually. Yeah. So the original version, the Billboard, the US Billboard Hot 100, uh, came in in 19. It's kind of kind of low on the R&B chart number three but um the Diana Ross solo version Ross River Fever yeah though sorry 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 everyone sorry, sorry everyone. listeners yeah. Ross River Fever's version US Billboard Hot 100 US Billboard R&B and US Cashbox Top 100 number one uh that said I only got to number 25 in Australia mm. so you know we've had better charts I'll say that much yeah so that was Chart Me Up. <laughs> the obligatory version of Chart Me Up. Let, let's talk about the video. Yes. Um, let's. All, all this talk about how inseparable they were. Yeah. I kind of feel like the chemistry between them on the video for Ain't No Man High Enough is kind of a little weird. No, I don't think it is. Maybe it's weird, but it's definitely... We talk a lot about video chemistry here on the duets. Mm. Uh, season of Careless Whispod. Yes. And after the... We, we've had lofty highs. <laughs> we've had uh, tragic, tragic, tragic lows. lows. <laughs> uh, I'm now, looking at you, Diana. Yeah, look, <laughs> looking at you, Ross, Ross River, River Fever. Fever. I think this is really cute. Yeah, like... I think, I think you can see... I, and again, I'm making it up here. We didn't do our research. <laughs> um, Tammy Terrell looks... Uh, TT. Yeah. Tea time. Um, tea time. Mm-hmm. Tea time. Looks nervous. But also I'd be curious too. Like, it's one of the... Oh, hang on. Have you, have you guys seen the video? Oh. You, we'll, look, before we go any further, we'll, we'll let go you watch go. The go video. watch the video. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. Oh, okay. All right. No, no. The, the track's not over yet. Oh. How, how long does it go for? Um, two and a half minutes. Okay. What are we at now? Uh, just under a minute. Ah. You know what? You can watch you the rest of it later. Watch the rest of it later. You get the idea. It's pretty, pretty similar. <laughs> Uh, it's one of the I mean you saw a lot of that stuff that classic studio mm, video the, in the in the 60s right? in, in this one that looks like they're singing under the cone of silence from Get Smart yeah <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it you son of a bitch I didn't know you were gonna say that's it. all I had <laughs> uh, so just speaking about the chemistry just a little bit you're saying that she looks a little she bit she looks nervous, nervous but I think they genuinely look cute they they do they they look good together. Mom and Gay looks happy, and uh, so it's not just a clever name. He he looks <laughs> gay in the sense that uh, he's happy, but it kind of cements this image that I get from doing this research of Tammy Terrell being kind of young and innocent and just a little bit shy and uh, mm, she definitely yeah yeah but having this amazing voice and that kind of propelling her into into big heights there 
she uh, apparently when they were recording this track she was super nervous because she hadn't practiced uh and uh they weren't in the together in the studio when they no, they weren't no. they just recorded her part first and then uh, added marvin gay later but yeah i think that she she does seem a little bit stiff in the video mm. uh but um it just kind of cements for me that image that i have of that kind of she would have been what 22 Probably, yeah. Oh, 22, 23? So in 1970, she was turning 25. Yeah. And this is 67. Yeah. So yeah, about 22. It's insane. She's so young. So young. Such a great voice. Imagine that career, as short as it unfortunately was. Just imagine all the shit that she got to see and do. Yeah. Because of that voice. Speaking of uh, how good their voices are, mm. it's probably... It's probably almost time for a money shot. Man, I feel like... I feel so bad. Like, I feel like we haven't... This song has just thrown up so much stuff about popular music that I'm just, like, not even prepared. (laughs) 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 To put it into perspective, dear listener, into how unprepared we are, there was a definitive article by the Washington Post about the recording of this song... But you had to pay to read it. Bug it if I was going to do yeah, that. Yeah, they're hiding it behind the paywall. I'm no, I'm no corporate shill. Um, the, the thing about Careless Whisper is we have a little bit of info, but a lot of uh, just shooting the shit and dude, talking about... We're what... inspiring you to go forth in your own popular music adventure. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I feel better about that now. Yeah. That's our excuse for not doing the research. <laughs> my, uh, my money shot. You want? Oh, is it time for money shots? Yeah, yeah. Let's do money shots. Oh... I was thinking about this before. This one's a toughie. Usually, I'm pretty, I'm pretty keen for a money shot. You do. You're usually gagging for um, it. Usually, yeah. But this one was difficult. But usually, I've noticed my money shots are often uh, towards the end of a song, like the the crescendo, the climax. We both said that. So it's of the song. But actually, mm. my money shot in this song is actually the first line of the song. Yeah. When Marvin Gaye comes in with Listen Baby and Mountain High, and just, it just gives you shivers. You just know what you're in for, you know? Like, Dude, he's not there to fuck around. He's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He's straight to the point. Yeah, it's that. And I think there's something about how they recorded vocals back then, too. Mm. I think they, and again, studio gurus will know more than, more than I, but ribbon microphones, and, and there's just a way that a ribbon microphone breaks up it distorts naturally you know mm. what i mean so when they sing loud it's got that grit to it do you know what i mean um there's just something about the sound of the vocals that that is just so fantastic yeah that's that's my money shot. that's your money i'm shot? spent I'm <laughs> it's really hard for me to pick a money shot with this one as well uh they're just little things that they do with their voice just really subtle their voices mm. uh, just really subtle little things I'll drop some examples in while, yeah, while yeah. I talk about it just like, uh, so many of those soul songs like it's just those off the cuff mm. things they do that just those little tiny hooks that make the song you know I'll say the beginning of the bridge there's a little bit of a key to change when um, Tammy's saying uh, winter's cold can't stop me tea time just the way she delivers that winter's cold line yeah yeah just gives me chills so there's nothing like uh, getting chills during your money shot so I'll say (laughs) they're multiplying (laughs) Uh, so yeah 
Oh Those are money shots. These are good money shots. We'll, we'll, we'll drop in some examples for people so you can hear. Yeah. Or just, I mean, listen to it, man. Yeah. Well, I always put a, enough audio in. Yeah, listen to it. Look, before we before we finish up, uh huh. You you were talking just before we did the money shots that there was so much that we're touching on about pop music, about um, Motown, about stuff that we're not really doing a heap of justice to it. But and and I, I suggested that it's more about our own personal feelings about these mm. things rather yeah, no, than, I agree. than straight facts. Let's let's wrap it all up. Let's yeah. sum up what what did you learn in our conversations today? What what do you think is something important that you're you're taking away from uh, uh, the the things that you've thought about here in this session? The kind of low key. Kayla Swiftwood session because it's been a little bit serious. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just about to say they both led quite um, difficult lives. Yeah. Tammy Tyrrell's obviously very difficult and was cut very short, mm. as was Marvin Gaye's. Mm. But from that turmoil. difficulty and mm. turmoil, turmoil, such amazing stuff um, was produced and. As I said before, it's it's a legacy that endures, you know, and it humbles me and it makes me love music all the more in that music has this magical quality about it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It is something that wasn't there before they got together and made this music. But it is there even though they, they've gone, you know. And I think that is something that touches at the the core of human existence. You know what I mean? Mm. So this episode was a little bit of a reminder to me of that. Yeah. Uh, I, just to kind of touch a little further on what you're saying. Mm. It's interesting that depression is such a strong uh emotion a feeling mm. that it inspires all this uh excellent art whether it be uh you know music art like painting art yeah uh, movies drama uh, careless whispered yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> real high art high art yeah 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 high real art. high art yeah. yeah especially when we were talking about 420 before yeah real high art uh and beating someone to death with a giant dong <laughs> <laughs> that was the last episode. Still, <laughs> still, still, still. Uh, <laughs> it's. I, f- I feel like it's such a stronger emotion than you know being happy. Being uh, I, I, a lot of these people, you know, that make all these um, amazing songs that have these amazing voices. It's coming from a place of pain. Yeah. V- well, of course, and I mean, I think we. We it's easy to forget that. I think we sort of forget that these days that um, like, some of the greatest art was created by people who were probably the most uh, the most tortured. You know. Can Can you think of any examples where that's not the case? I I can't think of anyone. There's people that come across as happy, but you you know in the background like they've got so much. Terrible yeah, I think I think there's degrees. Happened. You know what I mean? Mm. And I I think it's probably a generalization to say. The more depressed you are, the better your art is. You know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. I think that's probably um, not all d- depressed people are great artists, but I feel like 
most great artists uh, are depressed. Are depressed, yeah. Wow. Okay. Isn't that a lovely thought? I was trying to keep things fairly <laughs> positive with my sort of ruminations there, Gary. Yeah, I, I came and ruined it and all. And you've just come in to the the glue factory with <laughs> <laughs> the bullet in the horse's head. I'm on the I'm on the racetrack. I put the screen. Yeah, up. the screen up. <laughs> Brought the shotgun. Oh dear. This is Careless Whispod. This is Careless Whispod, uh, apparently. <laughs> Bringing you the best in popular music ruminations. Look, d- despite... Illustrations, germinations. Despite the dark passage that we kind of went down towards the end there, I think um, it's been also interesting uh, to take the this episode in a little bit different direction. It's been nice. It's been nice uh, wandering down some lesser-known paths. Mm. Mm. So... Again, if you're still listening, <laughs> I'm still th- reminded of that classic Bill Hicks bit, yeah, where he's sort of going all political, political, and he just goes, "Don't, don't worry, folks, the, the dick jokes dick are coming." <laughs> <laughs> Look, I guarantee there there will be at least sixty nine dick jokes in the next episode. Oh, guarantee. <laughs> Until then, I've been Gary. I'm Jeremy. We'll both continue to to be so such. Uh, So we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.